It is time for We Are Just Christians live from Savona Church in Port St. Lucie. Here are your hosts, Mike Smith and Gary Jones. Good morning, gentlemen. And now it is time for We Are Just Christians live from Savona Church in Port St. Lucie. Here are your hosts, Mike Schmidt and Gary Jones. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, and welcome to We Are Just Christians. We're glad you have tuned in the show today. Hope that you'll be able to stay with us for the next hour or so. We'll be on until 10 o'clock Eastern Time here on WPSL. We Are Just Christians is brought to you by the Church of Christ on Savona Boulevard here in Port St. Lucie. And uh, my name is Mike Schmidt. I'm one of the elders and also the preacher. With me is Gary Jones, the other elder. How you doing, Gary? I'm doing fine this morning, Mike. We're very thankful we can be here with you on the show to introduce this community to the idea of being just a Christian, not part of some man-made denomination or following traditions, either worldly traditions or um, man-made religious traditions. We believe in following the New Testament as a pattern of life and a pattern both for the church and our personal life. And that's what we're talking about. So we talk about all kinds of different issues uh, that relate to that and try to show that you can look at the scriptures and find guidance and direction, uh, instruction, commandments in the scriptures that fit today, that apply today. Uh, you know, technology changes, Gary, but people don't change. And that's what the Bible's about. It's about man and God, and so it doesn't change. The same issues that you have in one age you have in the next, they just take different forms. Some um, issues may become important in yeah. one time or another, and if others are ten, not. So anyway, that's how we're, uh, that's what the show's about. And he just... And we appreciate yeah, you tuning in to the show Michael, today. Got here early to uh, so we'll be we'll be trying to take your calls, comments, questions, and so forth. And, uh, and uh, it's important that we get across. Well, I guess I need to give the numbers, don't I, Gary? Since it's a live call-in show, let me give the numbers. Well, when you do, I've got something here that I'd, I would like to make a comment about what you said. Basically, that today we can find answers to things in the Scripture that that would affect the way we behave today, the way we lead our lives. And my favorite verse, John 12, 48, Jesus basically implies that very thing. He says, he who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. Jesus intended this word to go until judgment day. Right. Exactly right. No, I blew a tire. That's why we talk about the New Testament. So if you call in the show... You're going to get, we're going to try to give you an answer as best we can based on what the Bible says. No, I ran over an abutment. And uh, I ran over, not based no, on you know, our a church tradition River Drive or something that like that. So and and that's going to be true whether it's a personal question Nothing or whether was right it's a the religious road question. And it slid the side Both, you know, time to time. So let me give you the numbers to reach We Are Just Christians. So, you can reach us. I'm going to pay a tire, but i got to come up with money to pay. Uh, and really all around the world, 772 Three four zero fifteen ninety seven seven two is the number. Okay, I got to reach us. And we'd be glad to uh, take your call. To the front of the line. Now, when you call in, we're not here to attack or embarrass or anything like that. If you disagree, that's fine. We'll let you know. You say you disagree. We'll have a conversation about it, and we'll give you the last word so you don't feel like you're being. Uh, you know, taking advantage of. If and if we sound like if we sound confused, we're getting a little bit of feedback from the station into yeah. our headset. Yeah, that's so, probably what it is. It's, it's uh, yeah. different yeah. sound. So let me get you on I'm here not, with the boys, okay? They're not professionals. You're just a couple okay. of guys like go. to talk about the Bible and culture. <laughs> right. So if we don't, if we sound confused, it's probably because we are. But in any event, uh, you can reach us by telephone three four zero fifteen ninety. You can reach us by text message at 772-260-6120, 772-260-6120, and 772-260-6220 is how you reach us by text message. And I'll get some other information out to you in just a moment. Right now we have a, a telephone call. Are you there, Gary, uh, Jerry? Uh, good morning, Mike. Good morning, Gary. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I was wondering last week, uh, Laura was talking about Vatican II. Uh, I don't know if she mentioned the Ecumenical Council. I hope we give 
uh, a layman understanding of what the ecumenical council was or is. I don't know. I imagine it was the powerful cardinals. I really don't know. Uh, but it's called the ecumenical council. And this open parallel question is, in the Hebrew wedding, uh, a true wedding, I understand that the uh, the bride, uh, bride uh, answers around the room seven times. And I just wonder if you could, uh, uh, as far as you know, is that true? And uh, I'm more interested in uh, a working understanding of the ecumenical council. And I'd like to listen off our mic if we're okay. Okay, that'll be fine, Jerry. Uh, all right. Ecum- the, the, uh, yes, we had a call last week that did refer to, to the uh, Vatican II Council, and I, I suppose it would be called an ecumenical council. Um, well, I guess there are several councils, Nicaea Council, of several mentioned historically. Yes, there were been, well, Nicaea goes way back. Yeah. The Vatican Council is obviously, I wouldn't say the Nicene Council was held by the Catholic Church, but uh, the Va- Vatican II Council or the Second Vatican Council, which according to Wikipedia here, and I wasn't sure how many it was, was the 21st Ecumenical Council of the Roman Catholic Church. And it lasted during the summer, summers of 62 to 65. And so it, it was a, I remember even this and I was a boy then. I was born in 52. So, you know, I was 10, 11, 12 years old um, at that time. And I remember it being extremely controversial even then. Uh, I think Pope John 23rd, 23 was the, the one who led this. He thought that the church needed updating to, to uh, connect with the 21st century. And this is the time where... Um, this is the council, as far as I remember, and I can't that I can't look all this up here on the air to make sure that I'm correct. So if I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to say something wrong here and put it out. I'm trying to tell you what I remember about it. If I'm wrong, that would be a great opportunity for you to uh, call in and talk to me about that. But I think this is the one where the movement began to get rid of the Latin Mass and a few things like that. And and I think it's all it is probably also as a, some corollaries came out, it's the one where, yes, they did say it, it's okay under certain circumstances for the laity to read the Bible for themselves. Up until that time, they can't, you can't, they couldn't do that. Now, the word ecumenical, Jerry, it, it just means unity, essentially. And so these ecumenical councils have always had an underlying theme, never been very successful, of trying to restore unity between Catholics and Protestants. And uh, according to Wikipedia, if you believe it, uh, that initially the Catholic Church was hostile to the ecumenical movement in the 21st, 20th century. The traditional position of the church was that Catholics had nothing to learn from Protestants and the only way Christian unity would happen is when non-Catholics returned to the Catholic Church. Uh, but there was a modest movement beginning in the 1950s within the Catholic Church, but it didn't have any support from local authorities to try to find some common ground. And I think that's still basically where things are today. It just basically is the idea. And, you know, I, if the Catholics believe what they say they believe, that they are the one true church, that they get all their authority from apostolic tradition, then I, I would see no reason to make peace with the Protestant churches at all uh, because they've got, they don't have anything to learn. If they, if they say they have the apostles, I don't believe they do, but if they do and they believe that, what is there to learn from people that don't have the apostles? You know, just understand yeah. what I'm saying, Gary? Now, I'm not saying that they do, but I'm saying I can understand the the mentality of Catholics who basically say that there's nothing to learn from this. Now then, also something else that kind of coincided with the Second Vatican Council is a Pentecostal movement within and outside of the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church has always been 
the largest church that believed in the miraculous present-day power of the Holy Spirit. We like to think of them as a very staid and traditional body. Maybe they are. But they do believe that, that the Pope receives revelation from God and that the church receives direct revelation from God and so forth. And so it, it isn't surprising that the largest contributor of people into the Pentecostal movements for decades has been the Catholic Church. Now, most of those people abandon Catholic teaching, but they're coming from the Catholic Church because they've been raised on the idea that we can expect to receive present-day revelation from the Holy Spirit apart from the Bible. Apart from the Bible. You and Gary and I believe that the Bible is, of course, uh, is the is the is, is, is the standard. Is, is so the standard. It, it is the Holy Spirit speaking to us. Basically, that's uh, that's what we read when we read John twelve forty eight. Basically, Jesus's words, which include the apostles and the letters, not just the gospels, but that is the standard by which we'll be judged. Right. And and that's the only standard that we have. Uh, I I keep coming back a little bit more from a. I'm I'm coming from 30,000 feet on this thing, Mike, because I had never I knew there were different councils that Council of Nicaea and all of them were councils, I think, that were meant to resolve issues uh, um, that had come up in interpretation. A lot of them issues that came up simply from the ignorance of the scriptures and others that were probably uh, generally founded in the way interpretations were made. But I'm looking here at at something like 21 ecumenical councils that are named for the for the Catholic Church at different periods, all of them from about three, four hundred A.D. on up to the present day. And I, right. yeah, it's just there, there are bunches of them uh, right now. I'm, I'm trying to delve down and see kind of what kind of questions were looked at. But I think you've covered most of that when we were. Looking at you were looking at the more modern ones back in the 60s, but uh, you know it's it's nothing more than men in the church basically who have acquired recognition, if you will, of some sort, maybe not even scriptural recognition, sitting down and trying to resolve some issues. That's the way I've been looking at it. Whether those re- whether those resolves that they came up with are scriptural or not, something else again. Right. And so uh, I, I don't put much faith in councils or what the council said. Uh, I would I would go to the scripture and not even worry about what the council said. I would just research the scripture to the best of my ability and and go with that. Uh, am, am I missing something here? No, I think here? you're right. I, I think that's – well, that's the basis of this show. And – and so one of the things, and I, I kind of meant to deal with this in perhaps some t- some point today, uh, Gary, in looking at this, but we had a, the call last week about Catholic teaching. And it, it the um, implication was in the call, and, and this, this is not a criticism of the caller at all, this is just my general observations about this. And sometimes it is important that without being critical of people or, you know, whatever the case may be, that we at least lay the things out on the table as they ought to be. But I'm sure I sounded critical of the Catholic Church last week. Well, let me just say I probably was, and that doesn't bother me. I'm not <laughs> critical of Catholics. That isn't really the point at all, because as I mentioned, a lot of my father's family are Roman Catholics, and as they always say, a lot of my friends are Catholics, obviously, I'm saying that kind of as a joke, of course, that has no bearing on the, that has no bearing on the issue as to whether someone is faithfully following the scriptures or not, just because I like them or don't like them, I'm not trying to be critical, but what I was trying to point out is that the Catholic Church is caught in this eternal kind of conundrum, and I think a contradiction. Because when you come on the air and say that the Catholic Church has changed its position on on Bible reading, and the Catholic Church just loves for you to read the Bible today, what you're telling me, and I'm old enough to remember, is something has dramatically changed in the Catholic Church 
since I was a young man. And the Vatican II Council is when that happened. Okay, that it took some years for that to all to unfold, Gary. But listen, listen to this. Listen to this now. Um, well, I've had experience talking to Catholics just since I became a Christian. That was in the 80s, Mike. And they literally told me, I can't listen to you because if you start spouting the Bible, you're going to get us both sent to hell. Basically, I was told that. Of word course. For word. And that's exactly the way it was. So here's the position. Here, I, I'm not saying that all Catholics today think you can't read the Bible because I know that's not true. What I am saying is you got a problem if you're a Roman Catholic because the Catholic Church teaches that it's the unchangeable church. It never has changed. And that what the Catholic Church teaches today has always been taught from the time of the apostles. Well, now, one of the two things is true. Either they've never changed, and what's been taught today, being taught today, is what's been taught by, by the apostles. Or you can say, well, they realized they were wrong and they made some mistakes, so they corrected it. You can't say both at the same time. Okay? Listen to this. So, so the Catholic Facts uh, Encyclopedia says, if it is not identical in belief, government, etc., with the primitive church, then it is not the Church of Christ, meaning the Catholic Church. Only that church is Catholic, which is just, the word Catholic, by the way, just, just means, means universal. universal. But they mean that what they mean by that is it is the church for all time, the only true church. That's what they mean when they say uh, Catholic. Only that church is Catholic whose members hold that which was believed, quote, everywhere, always, and by all men. Now, that's from the Catholic Facts Encyclopedia. So, it, only that church is Catholic whose members believe, quote, that, w believe, hold that which was, but was believed everywhere, always, and by all men. Now, either it was right to eat meat on Friday or it was not right to eat meat on Friday before Vatican II. It was right to read the Bible if you're a layman or it's not right. But the Catholic Church teaches something different than that today. Uh, uh, Pope Leo the Thirteenth uh, says, it must be clearly understood whom we have to oppose and contend against and what their are their tactics and arms. In earlier times, the contest was chiefly with those who, relying on private judgment and repudiating the divine traditions and teachings office of the church, held that the scriptures to held the scriptures to be the one source of revelation and final appeal in matters of faith. What what Pope Leo what Pope Leo is saying there is our opponents, the people that we have always opposed, are people that teach that the Bible is the only source of faith and authority. That's who we oppose. Well guess what Gary and I teach and believe every week on the show. The Bible, the Bible is, is the only source of authority. And, and so for you for people to say though that the Catholic Church has always followed only the Bible and encourages you to read the Bible and the Bible only, simply is not accurate. It's simply not what the Catholic Church teaches, okay? And so you've, you've got to understand that they are, they, they teach one thing today and say, but and then they'll say that was, was always believed. The, the example, for example, another example of this is in the teaching. For example, I don't, I don't know if I have it right in front of me or not. But but they will say that the, they, they came up with a doctrine. It was in 1950 about the uh, bodily assumption of Mary, I think it was. Okay. 1950, this was agreed upon at a council, the bodily assumption of Mary. And when you read about it today, what you will hear is them say is that this has always been believed by the church. The Catholic Church has always taught the bodily assumption of Mary, the infallibility of the Pope. You know, you know when that doctrine was, what century that doctrine was finalized? Probably this century. The 1800s, late the 1800s. 1800s. Okay, it was finally, it was, and then it wasn't unanimously agreed upon at all in these councils. It was voted on, and a majority, a simple majority, decided that the Pope was infallible. And when you read about it today, and modern Catholics are taught that their church has always taught the infallibility of the Pope. Well, now, I have a problem with all of that. Well, I, I think I think most people that I know who are Catholics, I think they actually have a problem with it, too. They, they've just been taught that they can't oppose the church and say the church is incorrect because it's it's the only true church, which isn't true. But I think most Catholics have a problem with that kind of thing. Well, if I'm coming from the point 
that I'm trying to make that scripture is the ultimate or the only source of God's judgment or standard, which he's going to apply to us. I keep coming back to one scripture that really, really bothers me if you're trying to teach something else. I think it's 2 Timothy 3, beginning in verse 16. All scripture is by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Right. The Bible makes that claim for itself. Exactly. And my objection or my disagreement with not Catholics, but Catholicism, is that it makes the claim. There's only one thing to object to in Catholicism. Oh, there's a hundred little issues. There's only one thing that you should object to. And that is or question. Does the Pope have absolute authority in religious matters? Or does the Holy See? You can you can substitute Pope and Holy See because you can quibble about which one has the authority. But does do they have final authority in religious matters? In other words, is God going to bend to what they or do or is or God is directly revealing to them what his will is in some way, and we have to go ahead and follow that. Well, now the Bible is very, and that that can change through the centuries. Do they have the authority in Vatican II to come along and a group of men meet and make some decisions and vote on them and change what the church teaches, and then go back and say that's what we've always taught because it all it came from the Holy Spirit. Well, now the Bible says very clearly, Gary, in Jude three. Jude verse 3. It only has one chapter, so you have Jude 3. <laughs> it says that, that we are to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. That word once for all is one word in Greek, hapax. It's only used about four, three or four times in the New Testament. And it very clearly means, and this is not just some preacher thing, this is what the Greek scholars say who aren't even religious it means once for all. It means one time only. It's an event that happened only once. That's what that word means. And what Jude is saying toward the end of the New Testament is that the word of God that the church is to be ruled by, the word of God that is the, is the authority in our lives, was delivered one time for all. It wasn't continually delivered over the centuries by councils and popes and synods and ecumenical councils. You see the difference in those two things? It wasn't. Now, the Catholics call this doctrine the doctrine of development. That's what a lot of the popes have called it in recent, in recent decades, the doctrine of de development. And that means that these doctrines were embryonic in the New Testament, and we can't expect the church to live by that. So the, the God has continually revealed to the Holy See and to the popes uh, through the Holy Spirit. He's continually revealed the development of these doctrines. And so you come away, you can find no priesthood, no earthly priesthood in the New Testament, no pope, no cardinals, no bishops, no count. You don't find any of that in the New Testament, but that's what's developed later. You don't find any teaching about the veneration or worship of Mary and the saints. You find nothing there about that. But this, these doctrines were developed later uh, and the Holy Spirit revealed them to uh, the, the church, and so they became doctrine. Now, that's it. that is at odds, directly at odds, with Jude's statement in Jude 3, that the, faith, that the faith was once all delivered, and that as a preacher or evangelist, Jude was to contend earnestly for that faith, let's not look. the revealed faith in 1965 of the Ecumenical Council. Let's use that word once again, very same word you're talking about, is used in Hebrews 9:26. For then must we often have suffered the foundation from the found. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by sacrifice of himself. Jesus sacrificed himself one time for all of us. Uh, that word is used quite a bit in Hebrews, Mike. It's uh, I got about six uses of that yeah, there, particular. There's, there's maybe less than a ten, probably, old, um, in the Bible. But it always means the same thing. It's a, it's not. We don't have a word exactly like that in English, and that's why they put once for all. Uh, Peter repeats that same thing in First Peter three eighteen. He says, "For Christ also hath suffered." 
course, that once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. So that idea of one time is is there in that. Yes, and, and there's just quite a few of those kind of things. I counted uh, 14 altogether in the text that resulted in the 14? King. Okay. All yeah. right. Well, I, I underestimated it, but uh, it's not a very common word, and it certainly isn't common in modern English. But the idea is unmistakable, and it's certainly incompatible with this idea of the doctrine of development. In fact, in Acts chapter 20, uh, go over there in verse 28, a verse I've used in talking about this subject before with people. Um, you, you have the Apostle Paul here calls the elders of the church at Ephesus to meet him because he was on a sea journey. They come to the coast to a little city called Miletus, and he called them and he told them, he charged these elders since he said, he told them, I'm never going to see you again. That the Holy Spirit told me that I'm never going to see you again, and they were very upset about that. But he says, I've, I've, I'm testified to you to this day. I'm innocent of the blood of all men, verse 26, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. And he, he says, therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. For among your own selves will men rise up, speaking perverse things and draw away the disciples after themselves. Now, he's telling them that he's told them the word of God while he was teaching them. They have it. They don't need anything else. He warned them that there would come from among their own eldership, their own, own the office of elders or bishops in this case, would come men who would sp speak twisted things and draw disciples away after themselves. He warns them not to be drawn away from the things which he originally had told them while he was alive. Well, that's now, the that same. does not sound like the doctrine of development to me. Well, it's the same concept that was in Jude 3, the very next verse. You read Jude 3 about earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Yes. Verse 4, for there are certain men crept in unaware who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our only Lord Jesus Christ. So it's it's all in the context of don't depart from what you've been taught or what's in the scripture. It's, it's basically that idea, at least I see it in at least two places, and I think there's probably more if I had time to research it. Right. Right. Yeah, there, there, there certainly are. Now, um, there's just a lot of. So the, the, the Vatican, the second, the Vatican II did alter the appearance of modern Catholicism. It was an attempt to update Christianity from their viewpoint or Catholicism for the 20th century and beyond. And that kind of problematic in itself, because the, the trouble you have to distinguish is distinguishing what is unchangeable law unchangeable facts of the gospel and the teaching of the New Testament from what might just be customs of the day. And so here in this church, for example, this church, we we use a, a large screen television set and I use my computer to project images of the of scripture up there and other things so people can follow along. We project the songs we're going to sing and who's going to lead the prayer. We project this up for people to see while we're uh, having our worship. Now, there was nothing like that available when I was a boy to be able to do those things. Preachers used either nothing, which is the way I learned to preach, just standing up and talking to people. There was no visual aids. Sometimes churches, Gary, remember, had a little board on the side of the wall up there that had a list of the songs on it that we were going to sing and, you know, this kind of thing. Yeah, and how much people, how much people, collected, what what the attendance what was, the attendance was, but but now they didn't have anything like this TV. Now, is that a change? Well, it is a change 
Is it a change, though? That's the question. Have we changed what we're teaching is the truth of the gospel? No, I hope not. If so, I hope if we have changed, I hope it was because what was taught before was wrong. Now, that's an important thing to remember. I've changed some things I say about the scriptures since I first started preaching nearly 50 years ago. Because we have because a better. I thought I was wrong. I think I was incorrect back then or incomplete or, or, or just incorrect <coughs> in things I said. And so I changed it. But I can't say, looking backward, that I've always taught the same thing everywhere and every place. And I've never changed because I have changed things. Well, I say. Christians, as a matter of course, need to change. When we ask what must we do to That's be saved and we answer the gospel call, we don't always know exactly what we need to change. Now, but when you make a statement like I read at the beginning, that the only church is the true church that is, uh, as it were, has only taught what all men everywhere have believed and so forth. In other words, you're saying that you haven't ever changed, okay? And that's different than saying, well, we just, you know, updated the way we're presenting information from pieces of paper to a digital format. We went from handing out, I used to hand out outlines all the time. Now sometimes I'll send people a PDF file. And which, by the way, I'll be glad to send you a PDF file. of. I wrote a, I started to write a long, long treatise, of seven or eight chapters on Catholic tradition some years back. I got about one or two chapters of it done, never have finished it. But if you'd like a copy of what I wrote. No, about I don't Catholic want anything tradition, that you did, I would, be, I would be glad to uh, send it to you. Just, like just email me at. Just Christians at att.net. Just Christians at att.net. Ask for ask for my material on Catholicism, and and if you'd like to, um, or you, or can you hear, just want to text it. You can hear recordings of the show. You can hear recordings of the sermon. Yeah, I've got two or three sermons about these things, and and or even these shows. You can find uh, wearejustchristians.com. We've talked about these things like several that. times. Now let me just emphasize something. I don't think this will – I don't know if anybody will actually pay attention to this. But this has got nothing to do with being a Catholic or you being a Catholic. I, I wish that you wouldn't be a Catholic and would change your mind about religion and become just a Christian. I'm not going to make any bones about that. I believe you should change your mind and become just a Christian, not a Catholic Christian. And I wish you would be – I wish you would – but I do think you should be convinced to follow only the – scriptures and therefore to question what you're being taught by the Catholic Church. I wish that were true, but I'm not this is not an attack upon Roman Catholics, like I said, because I, I don't think that's the problem. I think that most Roman Catholics just want to do what the Bible says. And I agree with that. They should just want to do what the Bible says. The question is what does the Bible say? Are you going to get the right answer from the Catholic Church? And my opinion is on many, many, many things, no. On a few things, yes. Well, that's, that's things, exactly no. what you and I have done from the, you know, I, I've said many times from that from that pulpit out there, basically don't trust what I say. Take the scripture and look at them and read them and understand them for yourself. You, right. I'm not going to stand judgment before God for someone else. I'm going to stand judgment for me. You're going to stand judgment for you. Right. And you... Are, are you willing to let somebody else tell you all that, that that has to do? Is that of so little importance to you? And the other thing, I'll mention two other things. Remind me, Gary, I have two things. One, <laughs> one is about hu human beings and versus institutions. But let, I started to say, look, the Catholic Church is to be commended because they have consistently stood against abortion in all this modern debate about abortion, and they faced a lot of antagonism yeah, over the years about abortion. And, I, I, and I, I will commend them on that and their steadfastness about that and other sexual sins. Homosexuality, I believe. I will commend their firm stance, whereas many so-called Protestant denominations haven't okay. been quite so firm, and they continually, especially the large ones, Methodists and Lutherans and Presbyterians, they just continually cave on those issues, and it's very discouraging and disturbing. Uh, but on the other hand, for example, the Catholic Church has taught, uh, here's another case where they've changed. When, when I was younger, 
the Catholic Church was adamant that marriage or that sex, sex was only for the purpose of procreation, that the only purpose of sexuality was for procreation. And they taught a lot of corollary doctrines that based upon that. Now, that position that the church, that sex is only for procreation cannot be sustained by Scripture at all. At, at all. At all, okay? The church, sex is for procreation, but it is also for other things, like drawing two people and becoming one flesh. It's a part of marriage even when there cannot be any children or anything like that. It's so, part of avoiding tempta- temptation uh, and, and bad desires and things exactly. like that. Exactly. So the Bible has a larger teaching. But now, but what happens is now, since they face this opposition to this teaching in many ways, now you'll hear Catholics say, oh, yeah, the church has always taught that church sex is for more than procreation. Well, that just simply isn't the case. That's simply a, a rewriting of history. And, and, and that goes along a little bit with this business about all of the uh, sexual abuse scandals that you find have, we've had in the last 30, 40 years in Catholic churches among the priests and the higher ranking clergy and all the cover up that went on. And we could spend a couple of shows talking about some of that. Part of that can be understood as human failing, Gary. It could happen to anybody, regardless of their religion, that people fail, right? And they're sinners. But part of the problem with this is that the institutional church, because it can never be wrong, listen, what I'm saying, because the Catholic Church can never be wrong and is the only church, is the church from the beginning, and it's founded based in people, in the bishops and in the popes, they cannot, it's an institutional problem. Now, I believe the church is should be eternal, and I believe the church should, has teaching, but I'm not I'm not telling I'm not going to tell you to follow a particular church because of the men that are in it because they're inspired and they're infallible. I think you I think you should believe what Gary and I say about things. I, I don't I didn't think, think you I didn't think you should believe it. I wouldn't be saying it on there, okay? But on the other hand, I'm not telling you to come and visit with us because of me and Gary. I'm telling you to come so you can receive the word. And you can look at it and read it for yourself and study it. I'm not telling you that the Pope has, that I'm a Pope or something, I have some kind of authority to implement something that you have to follow what I say. There's a big difference between an institution that's based upon men and the authority vested in men, like the Catholic Church, and one that's based on the authority contained in the Scripture. And we can then admit that, yeah, we were wrong about that. We need to change because the authorities in the Scripture are not the men. The Catholic Church has a hard time admitting that it's wrong about those things because the authority is based in the men themselves because they have the authority. And men have a hard time admitting it. And, and, and it just it, it doesn't work. And that's why they're suffering. Now, they can go back and say, well, no, we've never put our confidence in men. And yet you've told people that popes are infallible and you got to follow them. I, I mean, I don't know that she's a standard, but my own grandmother, uh, uh, who was a devout Catholic, she said she told me growing up, when she had a problem, she went to the priest, and whatever the priest said, that's what she did. She she believed that. She thought that was the right thing to do. Why? Where did she learn that? So that's she learned what that from going to a Catholic church all of her life and being told that that's what she ought to do, and that's what she did. Well, now, I don't tell people here, neither Gary, neither one, say, well, whatever we tell you to do, if you just do that, you'll go to heaven. That's not what we say here. Even though we try to give you instruction, we try to give you instruction from the scripture and we give you advice based on our experience and knowledge of the scripture. And there's some, that's worthwhile. There's something valuable in that. But it certainly isn't the way it's presented in other places. So now these are these are harsh criticisms. I understand that. Once again, they're not criticisms of you if you're a Catholic. They're a criticism of a system. Oh, okay. that, needs to, that needs to be examined. We're ur- urging you to examine it. And I don't think. I think Vatican II presents a problem, and there are a lot of Catholics who agree with me. Listen, there are lots of Catholics who agree with me around the world, in particular, that Vatican II presents a problem because the unchangeable church was changing, and they have a problem with that, which, well, they should. They should have a problem with it. So that's my opinion. Jerry didn't ask for all this. Well, I wanted this to make one directed at Jerry. I wanted to make one more week, comment. I wanted to make up. one more comment about Jerry's uh, question. I, I came to this as I looked it up. I came to this website, New Advent, 
and basically they list 21 ecumenical councils from the year 325 AD all the way up to the one, the last one that you mentioned in 1962 to 65. There were 21 councils in different locations. There's a little comment here about what the problems were that they discussed and the subjects that they discussed and some of the think some of the things that were changed as a result of this. And the only way they can justify that is the Holy Spirit told them to change it. They will tell you that that when these bishops convene that the Holy Spirit is present and whatever changes are made, even by voting, the Holy Spirit is controlling that. And that's how that's how it all happened that way. So they're not saying it's just advice. These councils became come binding precedent. Yes. Then to go back. Now, okay, we, I can live with that if that's what you say. I, I mean, I can understand that. But then to turn around and tell the people that the church is unchanging is we're only teaching what's always been believed by every everyone everywhere. Uh, that simply can't be logically true. Okay? Say that it's always been taught by the same by men everywhere at all times in every place when you're saying that it's changed. Pick one. I've said to people in counseling, Gary, pick one. Which way do you want it? Now, you can pick either one you want, but you can't pick both at the same time. And that's what's being attempted here in a big way. And unfortunately, uh, if if people are like my relatives who were devout Roman Catholics, they, they've been taught that to, to question this is to lose their soul. And they, 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 you know, the idea, I've been born a Catholic and I'll die a Catholic. That comes from that idea that I'm just born this way and that's the way it is and they'll never change. Uh, I want to challenge you about that because and th- but that's why people will go along with this, Gary, because they've been taught, well, the Catholic Church is all there is and I can't do anything else. I'm going to be this. So whatever they say, that's what I'll do. Now, the non non devout ones, what they call them, lapsed Catholics, um, they go to they go to mass a couple of times a year. Um, or if somebody in the family dies, they'll attend a mass. But, but now those are not quite as invested in it, th- those folks. And uh, I don't know. It's a problem. And I have a lot of, a lot of love and com- sympathy but I do for, for people raised in that environment or people that have grown up with it. But I do think it needs to be, you need to examine what you're saying. You need to come back and follow just the scriptures. It's not easy. It's challenging, uh, you know, and, you know, like everything else, there's whatever position you take on anything, Jerry, uh, Gary and Jerry out there listening, it won't be all roses. There there are difficulties with whatever, whatever position you take, whatever decision you make. The question is, what's the correct decision? What's right? And if it's right, then you can live with the bad consequences of it. But anyway, if you want, if you'd like to receive... Uh, it's an unfinished manuscript of some of the stuff I've written with a lot of scripture and other quotations in it. Um, just uh, email me at justchristians at att.net. I'd like to see my email box blow up, actually. <laughs> justchristians at email, uh, justchristians at att.net, or text me at 772-260-6120, and just, just say you want the, the Roman Catholic stuff, and I'll send it to you. It'll be, it'll be in a PDF format, and you can read it for yourself. And uh, then you can also go to our website, which is wearejustchristians.com. I'd have to look it up. I know I have some sermons about some of these very things here, and we might want to talk about them in the near future. But, um, boy, it's a big subject. And, and I know, Gary, the other thing is in modern times, we're not supposed to say anything that sounds critical of anyone. Well, that's one. Of the, that's our, that's a problem. I know that. I know people have the attitude that if you disagree with them, you hate them, and that's not the case. As a matter of fact, disagreeing with a lot of people to try to help them out is actually a sign of love. But we don't seem to consider that in our society much today. Right. So, uh, I would just go back to uh, basically all these councils. I keep going back to my original my original thoughts they're they're just attempts by certain men to resolve differences between them and difficulties they have in the scripture 
and they're not going to stand judgment for me. I'm going to stand judgment for me. I need to put the effort into understanding what God has to say. That's just a fact. Yes, and it's it's a challenge. It's a constant challenge. We put it before you. Be just a Christian. And that's what that's why we ask you to lay down uh, your denominational background and become just a Christian. Be baptized for the remission of your sins uh, according to the teaching of Jesus Christ. Make that good confession based upon your faith that Jesus is the Son of God. And then begin to live that life that you find in the Scriptures with the power of the Holy Spirit behind you and with Christ's teaching behind you. Then begin to live that life as a Christian. It's not, a challenging not a, life, but it's one that was, and then and then join with people like the ones at this church, who've also made that same de- declaration and stand that they're only going to stand on what the scriptures teach and be just a Christian. You can worship with those people. It's a plain and simple worship that demands a lot of you, but that's what we do, and then we do the work that God commanded of teaching and edifying, building each other up, helping those who need help. We do that the same way this early church did as best we can. And so, therefore, a lot is demanded of you to take. You're not just going to be able to come here and be carried along by a a musical rock concert, you know, and feel better when you go home. That's not what this church is about. Or trips to Disney World. Yeah, that's not what their first century church was about. It's much more personal. And you do that with other people in in, in a group, in a church, and they bond together as a family because they're engaged in the same work. That's what that's what New Testament Christianity is about. It's not as it's not a popular thing today because people are looking for something different, but it's worthwhile. And I, I want to encourage you. So investigate it. Come and see for yourself. Take a look at our website. We are Christians.com. Go, go and come and visit us. We meet at 2196 Southwest Savona Boulevard here in Port St. Lucie. Come and visit us. We meet at 10 o'clock for Bible study this morning. You still got time to get here. We meet at 11 for our worship. We did. 7.30 Wednesday night for Bible studies. You and your children are always welcome. And you're going to find when you come here, lots of people that were raised in the Catholic Church. Okay, Several people were raised in the Catholic Church, and, and you'll find them here reading their Bibles openly and looking at it without without the Pope looking over their shoulder. You know, And, and uh, they, they can understand what the Bible says for themselves. Now, what the Catholic Church taught for centuries, and probably still does, if I could get to the right, I haven't looked up any modern sources, is that you really can't understand the Bible if you could read. This is what this quotation I read earlier from um, this Pope about private private interpretation from Catholic. Uh, it's Pope, Pope Leo. He says, it must be clearly understood whom we have to oppose and contend against. Who Who is the Catholic Church opposing, he says, contending against? Well, their tactics and arms are these. In earlier times, the contest was chiefly with those who relying on private judgment and repudiating divine traditions and the teaching office of the church, they held the the scriptures to be the only source of revelation and final appeal in matters of faith. So he said the people that we're opposing are people who have rely upon private judgment. That means that they teach what Gary and I do from Ephesians Ephesians chapter 3, verse 3 and others, that you can read what the scriptures say and understand them. That we teach what Jesus taught when he asked the scribes and Pharisees, have you not read? And he expected them to have read the law of Moses and understood it without the help of a priest. They rely, he calls it private judgment, and they repudiate the divine traditions and teaching office of the church. I raise my hand, yes, Gary Jones and I, we repudiate the divine office of the church, of the Catholic church. And its traditions, we repudiate those as a source of authority. You can learn from anything. We don't believe they have authority of Christ. And we hold the scriptures to be the only source of revelation and final appeal in matters of faith. Yes, we we believe in that here. That's what we teach. And therefore, we are considered the opponents and enemies of the Catholic Church by this pope. He said it, not me, but I don't know what else to say to it, Gary. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Well, am I exaggerating? No. Okay. But but here here here's one thing. You you make the point, and I and I really like this point, that if they say you know you can't understand the Bible, and, and I've I've talked to people that honestly believe that, Mike. I've talked to people that have read it. Sure. And, it's hard and, to understand and sometimes. It's it's, it's not understandable in the way we normally understand things. But Paul says, and you mentioned this in Ephesians three, and. Uh, 
beginning in verse 2, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Paul is saying very clearly, I wrote to you this letter so that you, when you read it, you can understand his knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which was to him by Jesus Christ himself. Right. In, in, in the Galatian exactly. letter, he exactly. says that. So his intent was that you read it and understand it. The Holy Spirit's intent with these messages, with these letters and with these books, is that you read and understand. Now, it may take more work than you think you should have to do. It's but a lifelong process, isn't it? Yes. It, I, 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 I thought I was going to understand the Bible in a few months when I first began. And I, realized, I began to realize after some amount of time, this is a lifelong process. I'm still changing but after 30-something years. But you did come to understand the basics of what you had yes, to do. Yes, I have. Way. Yes, right. You can do that. You can understand very simply you that you should not lie, that you yeah. should not commit adultery, okay. that you should not do these things. But other things that we miss in helping others, I've had to learn by recognizing the mistakes I've made in my life. Here, here's something I wrote in this little document that I was going to send people based on some other stuff here. And it comes out of, you know, the basis of it from an Anglican scholar named George Salmon. But here's what I wrote. Either the Catholic Church has changed its doctrines or it hasn't. I don't think there's a middle ground there. That's a lot. Either ask. the Catholic Church has changed its doctrines or it hasn't. <laughs> it either relies solely on what was revealed to the church fathers of the past or it has the right to modify the apostles' teaching by pronouncements. Either they rely only on the teaching of the apostles, or they believe they have the right to modify it based on papal pronouncements. No, there's no middle ground there. Either, either the scriptures form the exclusive basis of faith and practice, or the church needs tradition in, in the addition to the New Testament, and this tradition is constantly being added to and modified by the church. You only have a few choices here, Gary. Either you need tradition to know the full truth, or you can rely solely on the scriptures to know what to do. Now, that, that doesn't come into the fact that maybe we disagree about the scriptures. This is, this is not just about whether we disagree about the, a particular verse or not. These are fundamental concepts about where we're going to get our understanding of the scriptures and what we're going to rely on. Okay? That's like saying, is there a difference between a justice of the, of the United States Supreme Court who believes that the only way he can determine cases is by reading the Constitution. And that's the sole basis of his judgment. And we have a couple, though, on the Supreme Court who have said we have to use international law and the judgments of these other international tribunals to determine what should be done in the United States. There's no, there's no middle ground there. Either you believe the Constitution is the sole basis of our government and should be the sole basis of our legal system, or you believe that you should add in something else besides the Constitution. That's international laws and other treaties and and uh, like the United Nations. Whichever you can't you can't mix those two together, and it makes a big difference which one you choose. And that's not saying there's nothing valuable in the what what some other court may say. The question is, what's binding? What's final? What's the standard? That's the question. I'm not saying that what, what many Catholic scholars have taught over the centuries isn't good or helpful. But, but, on, but on the other hand, I, I'm not going to quote them as authoritative. And even if I quote a pope, it doesn't mean I, I'm not doing so because he has some divine authority over my life. And we need to understand the difference here. Right. Well, that, that applies not only just to Catholic, but any writer. Basically, who is, you've got you've got to look at what he says and look at the scripture and prove okay. what he says. That's the point. I have the let's anybody thinks I'm being unfair here. I have the same basic objection to many many Protestant denominations, Pentecostals and otherwise, who claim that there is some inherent revel there is valid revelation being given to them today. They have apostles in their church that receive revelation. So many. I mean, it. I didn't. Kevin kept track, but I think it's basically almost a preponderance 
of, of the sexual scandals in churches and the fundamentally unethical financial scandals in Protestant churches in my lifetime have come from people who believe that the Holy Spirit is telling them something today outside the Bible. It takes the Bible and what the Holy Spirit is telling them in their own life and their own revelations to know what to do. That's where that's where it's coming from. It's so and, easy to and make. So I have the same objection to the Pentecostal churches and charismatic churches who believe in the modern day miraculous operation of the Holy Spirit for revelation because they have the same problem as the Catholic Church does. They don't well, rely on the word. But many, many of the times the problem, if you look carefully at it, what the Holy Spirit told them to do is what they wanted to do to begin with. That's that's just basically the way the way it works. I told you that story of the. I don't have. I might have it somewhere here in my files. This Pentecostal preacher for years. Oh, he was so adamant against abortion and preached about it and got in her bag all worked up all the time. And his one of his daughters grew up and she was in her late teens. She got pregnant and had an abortion. Out of wedlock. Yes, out of at abortion, out of wedlock. And and his direction had the abortion, and he claimed before the church that the Holy Spirit had told him it was okay. And he was, and the church was apparently fine with that, that since the Holy Spirit told him it must be okay, and he went on about his business. Uh, this kind of thing, I, I can understand why non-religious people get upset about those kind of things, Gary. I really can't. I, I can understand perfectly. If you're not a religious person, and that kind of thing troubles you, well, join the crowd. It troubles us. Uh, yes. And, and if I did something like that, well, I would hope that the members of this church would call me on it and hold me to task, uh, take me to task for it and not accept that kind of behavior on my part, well, Gary's part. One, one question. Would. Do we have another caller? Do we well, we don't. Uh, okay. We uh, got a couple. I, I thought see, I heard I, If I we have another I... caller, uh, Ray, at the station, at least let me know, because I, I apparently did miss it. But um Jerry, Jerry was on earlier, and we do appreciate that, and we do appreciate uh, Laura's comments and questions. I think his name, her name was Laura last week, uh, very, very much. Disagree sometimes, agree sometimes. But this is something that is the major issue, and it really, I think, has been worth our show, even though we didn't really plan it. Uh, I, I don't, we didn't really plan it out this way, Gary, but it's been worth the show today because it really goes to the heart of what we are just Christians is all about. That that you see that you see in application people who are not just a Christian, but a Catholic Christian following a tradition, following the tradition of the Catholic popes and, and councils, and where it takes you, it takes you away from the Word of God, further and further away. There's no way you can go to the scriptures and find the veneration of images. You can't find the veneration of Mary and the saints. Can't find that in the scripture. You can't find I can just auricular confession we talked about last week, making your confession in the ears of a special priesthood who will then absolve you because they have the grace invested in them as men in that office of the priesthood. <clears throat> All of these teachings are just not found in scripture. They're based upon traditions that came along later. And Gary and I and many others, of course, uh, we reject that that method. Not that we don't reject the people as people. Uh, I'm just simply saying they're wrong, and that we need to come back and just follow the Bible. Well, our time is gone today. Um, I guess we've got about, got a, minute, about a, minute and a, minute and a half. half left. Gary, you want to make a final comment, and then we'll we'll wrap things. Well, up. I just keep going back to John 12:48. He who rejects me and does not receive my words, has that which judges him, the word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. Jesus said the words that he spoke will judge us in the last day. That covers the entire span of time from his life, his death, burial, and resurrection until the earth ends, okay? Right. And that says his word is the standard throughout that time. And he left it to us in writing through the Holy Spirit, that we may under read it and understand it. We may find it difficult in some places. Primarily, I think we find things really difficult because we don't like them sometimes. And, and I've always said, if you study the Bible enough, you're going to find something in it you don't like. Exactly. Uh, well, I, 
Well, we, we better wrap it up here. We appreciate you listening today. If you'd like to watch our live stream of our services, just go on to YouTube and type in Church of Christ on Savona Boulevard, Savona Boulevard Church of Christ. You'll find it there. And we'd like to invite you to take a look at our website, wearejustchristians.com. And we appreciate your listening. Hope you'll tune in again next week. Thank you very much, and may God bless you. You've been listening to We Are Just Christians, live from Savona Church in Port St. Lucie on WPSL Port St. Lucie, 103.5.